coming to you, undead from the crypt. This is Adelaide Horror Podcast with Zombie Joe. <laughs> Hi and welcome to the Adelaide Horror Podcast. It's your host, Zombie Joe. Tonight's episode is number 11. And under the banner of ghost horror, I'm going to be reviewing four of my favourite ghost horror films. And that is The Fog from 1980 by John Carpenter, House and Haunted Hill 1999, 13 Ghosts 2001, and Ghost Ship 2002. So I picked these four because I was going to review one and have the other three as a horrible mention, but then I thought. There's just no justice in that because I like the other three just as much as I did The Fog. So I thought, why not do all four um, and hope you enjoy them. And if you haven't seen these movies, I hope this is a little bit informative for you so you can go out and go, hey, I'm going to check these movies out. So I'm not going to give any spoilers. However, if you haven't seen these four movies, I'm recommending all four to you right now. Bar two, unless you are very squeamish about gore. Now, 13 Ghosts and Ghost Ship is very gory. So if you really can't handle gore, like I would give it a little bit of a miss until you decide that you're ready for that or um, you just go, nah, it's it's all good. You can hit the old Schipperino button on the remote but and you won't miss a story plot. But then again, you know, if you're not ready for the gore, you, you'll kind of, you know, put you off the whole entire film and, and that, that'll be a shame. So um, my advice would be get some horror movies under your belt before you go and see 13 Ghosts and then go ship. If you're like, nah, can't do gore at all, deal breaker, then probably don't do the other two and watch House on Haunted Hill instead. There's a little bit of a gory scene at the start. Um, the first half of the movie when it's explaining what happened in the asylum uh, but after that it's not too bad so you can kind of get through House and Haunted Hill and like I said the old Schipperino button will help you off with that but uh, yeah I'd I'd kind of sit out 13 Ghosts and Ghost Ship if you really can't handle gore I'd, I wouldn't if gore doesn't bother you uh but you kind of like, like I said, get some get some horror movies under your belt, then go and check it out. But if not, if you're like, yeah, that doesn't faze me whatsoever, then Merry Christmas, 13 Ghosts and Ghost Ship is the movie for you as well. And you'll really dig House on Haunted Hill too. The Fog, uh, perfect L Plater movie. If you haven't seen a horror film or you're not sure or you your partner hasn't seen a horror film and you say come on let's watch a horror film and you're not sure which one to show the fog is perfect like for that because it's not gory even though people you know the ghosts get a little bit mcstabby with everyone uh with fish hooks and swords and all sorts of stuff but there's no blood like it's it's you can't go wrong like it's it's actually pretty good um so, yeah, I'd, I recommend this is your first time kind of horror film. Uh, it's got a rating of 7.5, and I agree with that. That's a, that's a pretty decent score for that. It's a good movie. It's, it's, a, it's a good paced film as well. It doesn't move quickly that you kind of miss what's going on. It's 
kind of a, a medium burn. It's not a slow burn, it's a medium burn. Like it picks up when it needs to pick up and then the execution at the end is really, really well done. So you'll really, really enjoy this film. And uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, check it out and I hope you like it. And if you do like it, I'll be wrapped because um, yeah, it's it's a really, it really is a good film to check out. So let's uh, let's get into it a little bit, and uh, I will uh, yeah explain a bit more about the film. So, uh, written directed by John Carpenter, and John Carpenter also had a co-writer on board with this, and that was Deborah Hill. And Deborah Hill um, also assisted John Carpenter on the Escape from New York, Escape from LA movies, uh, and was also the producer for Halloween. So there's already a relationship there between. John and Deborah, so they kind of got in each other's heads a little bit. They've they've kind of pumped out Halloween, like the success of that. You know, they kind of they, they gelled well, and and then they put in so they casted Jamie Lee Curtis for this film as well, and it was a great um, move because you can tell that everyone gelled well together because of the performances of everyone in this film. Like they they all liked each other, and they pretty much said, "Look, we'll do it for John. John knows what." The vision what he wants of what the fog should be and the actors pretty much showed up and did it so that's that's and you can tell in this film that that's what went down because they they did it really really well so um yeah the rate uh, like i've done the rating but like the runtime is an hour and 30 minutes that's including credits it pretty much starts straight away like i said it's a medium burn it's not a slow burn so it kind of at a pretty decent pace, you kind of start working things out, and then it goes whoosh straight to the end. So it's that's that's how you want it to be. It's pretty good. Uh, it cost a million dollars to make. Uh, opening weekend in the USA in 1980, it absolutely straight out the stadium. It was like 39 million dollars. Like it came out, uh, I believe. In October, I may or may not be correct on that one, so we'll just leave that there. Um, the gross that it did globally was twenty one, so it did collectively like thirty nine and twenty one million. So I did it did very well. Uh, John Carpenter did the music for this, the score. So you've got to you recognise it instantly. It's very distinctive. So if you can go on Spotify or you can go on YouTube or any kind of uh, area where there's like music that you can download and, and listen to. Uh, to stream it, uh, you'll find that there's John Carpenter kind of like the lost songs that he has, like Volume 1 and Volume 2. These are songs that he made for movies that quite didn't make it into a film or he hasn't put it into a film yet. So uh, they're amazing, like, listening to those. Um, so you got this, like, suspense kind of music that he's doing throughout the whole entire film, so it's pretty cool. He does a little sneaky cameo at the start of the film when he's talking to a priest and he's asking for his money, like for the work that he's done. That's John Carpenter. So he does a little cameo um, in the film at the start. The cast uh, is really well done. So you've got Jane, uh, John Horseman. Now, he plays uh, Mr. Markin. Now, he's at the start. He's telling the kids the ghost story about Antonio Bay, how it started, and how the original... Settlers of Antonio Bay um, set up a ship called the Elizabeth Dane to come too close to the shore and smash on the rocks on purpose because they could grab the Spanish gold that's in the ship. 
the crew of the ship and the people on the ship had leprosy. So he doesn't explain that to the kids, but the ghost story is like, this is what happens. And then a hundred years, they said that they're going to come back and get everybody. So guess what? It's a hundred years. So the kids are like, Ooh. so that was, that was pretty cool. We've got, uh, Adrienne, uh, Barbaro, she plays Stevie Wayne and she's done some cameos in Love Boat, um, Murder She Wrote, and then Creep Show, the old, the old Creep Show in the 80s, and the new one now in 2019. So the old one in the 80s, she teams up with uh, the Father Malone in this movie, played by um, Hal Holbrook. Um, he is the partner of uh, Adriana Baroy, um, Barbaro in Creepshow. Adriana's just horrible to him in this show and then something happens and she kind of gets her comeuppance. But in, in the new Creepshow, uh, she plays a different role. She's like the caring wife and mother uh, in, this, in episode one of Creepshow. So it's uh, pretty good to see that she's kind of around and relevant and uh, still recognised and put into these really iconic horror films. So I thought that was really, really good. So she's in this. She plays Stevie Wayne and she's the lighthouse keeper and the radio for Antonio Bay. So she's the kind of the music and the weather and the lighthouse person. So she does kind of everything. Uh, Ty Mitchell, um, he's Andy Wayne and he he's a little boy. He's the son. Uh, he did some appearances in Chips and also in Halloween 2. And then after that, kind of as he grew older, he goes, you know what, I like it behind the camera. So he started becoming a cameraman and started doing stuff behind the scenes of uh, movies. So this is pretty much it for him. Uh, Tom Atkins, legend himself, uh, his character's name is Nick Castle. So it's 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 not the Punisher, like, but uh, he... It kind of fits the, the bill, you know, like after a while he just becomes like, that's it, I've done with enough supernatural entities, I'm just going to paint a skull on my t-shirt and start kicking ass. I can I can agree with that. Um, but he, yeah, so Nick Castle, he's kind of drifting in um, and he's also friends with some local people in the town as well. So he, this is really his first horror film because after this was Night of the Creeps. Uh, and then he went on to do Halloween 3. So it's this is his first movie. And I think because of this, everyone said, this guy needs to do horror films. Like, he's, he, he kind of fits the bill. Jamie Lee Curtis. So she plays Elizabeth Sholey. And um, so we know her from the Halloween franchises. Uh, she also, her earlier work in horror films, and I really dig these movies, was Prom Night and Night, uh, Terror Train uh, that she did. Her mother... Um, is in this movie as well. She plays Kathy Williams, and that's Jeanette Lee, uh, is Jamie Lee Curtis's mother. Uh, iconically, she is the woman in Psycho. If you didn't know that, that's who that is. That woman screaming before the iconic violin music, and she gets stabbed in the bathroom. That's Jamie Lee Curtis's mum, uh, Jeanette Lee. So she plays, uh, like I said, Kathy Williams in in the movie. Uh, I'm trying to work out whether she is the mayor or she is the wife of the mayor in this, but because of the name Williams, it kind of there's a reason why there's a there's a thing going on with the ghosts and her. So um, she passed away. Jeanette 
Lee passed away in 2004. Uh, and so if you look at her kind of film thing, she's got 50 plus years in the movie industry, either doing something scary or other kind of movies. And that's pretty phenomenal, like to have a track record like that. So, and it was pretty great having uh, someone like that in your movie. Like she could have turned around and said, babe, she could have said, John, you know how many movies I've been in? Like before this, like, and then not after as well. So, you know, she's got quite the, quite amount of films under her belt. And I thought it was really great that she took the role on, um, and then we have, uh, like I said, Hal Holbrook. He plays Father Malone. Uh, like I said, he was in Creepshow with uh, uh, Adriana Barbaro. And then there was Nancy Loomis. Now, she's not known as Nancy Loomis. Uh, she's now known as Lancy Keys, which is K-Y-E-S. Uh, her character's name is Sandy Fidel. And she is the PA to uh, Kathy Williams. So this is why I was trying to work out whether she actually is the mayor or um, some kind of higher up person in the town. Um, but she must be because she's rocking her own PA. So, you know. Um, anyway, Sandy Fidel, that's her role. Um, Sandy is in Halloween, Halloween, Halloween 2 and Halloween 3. So <laughs> she's she's uh, done the Halloweens. Um Nancy, yeah, so like I said, Nancy Keys and basically dropped the Loomis after a really nasty divorce. So that's that's what kind of happened there. So the brief rundown of uh, The Fog is it's Antonio Bay. It's celebrating its 100th year anniversary. Um, as at the start of the film, Father Malone, there's an incident and Father Malone discovers the journal to the, to the town that's kept in the wall, buried in the wall of this church. As he pulls the journal out, he kind of reads the journal entries and works out that it's actually his ancestor who's the priest uh, in this town um, and all the stuff that they did uh, in order for, for this town to kind of thrive. And it wasn't really great. So he kind of was like, oh my God, like we're, we're a part of this kind of thing. And then, so of course... It's a hundred years, the fog returns, and so do the ghosts of these people that were wronged on the ship, the Elizabeth Dane, that was carrying Spanish gold. Uh, and uh, so that is what the fog is about. And uh, and once the uh, the kind of the fog rolls in at night time, does what it starts, daybreak happens, the fog disappears, and then basically night time again, and it's 100 years, and it's bang, it's on. Like, they're there to, to claim what they need to claim, and uh, it's, uh, like I said, medium burn, uh, really builds up quite well. Um, there's a bit of a, what you think is the end, so don't panic, just keep watching it, because I was, when I watched this, I thought, oh my God, don't tell me this is the ending. And it wasn't, so I was like, "Good, that's that's good." So keep keep pushing through it. Don't don't think that that was the end, and uh, you'll be um, pretty impressive. Like um, what goes on. So yeah, it's this. The only thing I couldn't work out was there was this crew on the ship called the Seagrass, and they really didn't get into names, and I didn't understand what kind of went on with this crew and the fog rolled in over past this crew um 
and I kind of didn't get why they got attacked. Like if they were, if the if the ghosts were there for these specific people in the town, I didn't kind of get why they got attacked. But that's that's kind of the only question, and it's probably me. I didn't I didn't understand it properly. Maybe it wasn't my interpretation, but I just I couldn't. I kind of struggled with that. I was like, okay, I, I didn't know why that was about. But um, apart from that, like I, it was it was a pretty it was a pretty decent suspenseful film, like, and it really picks up once the, once that hundred year anniversary night occurs, and then they start coming after the kid, like you're thinking, oh my god, like you know they they really don't care, like they they they're just there to to take what's theirs, and 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 even the score, like regardless, like who it is, um, so that was a, a bit um. A bit tense, and then you chuck in the, uh, the the film scores and stuff by John Carpenter. So he just really knows when to put the right amount of music and the right kind of theme music into something, and really builds that suspense up. So you'll you'll really really like it. Um, yeah. So because all the actors gelled well and actresses gelled well, this was a really good performance by everybody. No one was lacking, and pretty much yeah, you will you enjoy it. So. Like I said, this is definitely a first-time horror film for sure. No problem. All day long. Uh, absolutely recommend it as a first-day horror film. So, yeah, definitely go out and check it out. It'll be good. Cool. Um, with House on Haunted Hill, I've got to um, move along. So, House on Haunted Hill uh, was directed by William Malone. Um You'd know him from Fear.com, but he's also done horror TV shows like uh, The Masters of Horror and Freddy's Nightmares. Uh, the original writer for House and Haunted Hill was Rob White and uh, back in the 50s. This is a 1959 movie with Vincent Price. Uh, um, this was the remake. Um, so uh, Dick Beebe was the screenplay, uh, and you'd know him from... Uh, he does the Tales of the Crypt TV show from 1994 to 1996. Um, yeah, so and he was also Blair Witch Project number two. Um, he he wrote for that. The budget was 37 million. It grossed 40 uh, in the and it was the weekend. It was actually a Halloween film. It came out on the 31st of the 10th, 1999, and it globally it hit 42 million. Um, it's got a, uh, a run time of 130 minutes, including credits. And like I said, there's no slow burn. Like it just bang, it starts immediately, kind of sucks you in with some creepy shit and then kind of, you know, spits you back out, kind of calms you down a bit and then ramps up with the creepiness again. So it, it doesn't kind of let off. Um, and that's why I liked about it as well. It does a cameo by James Marston. Now he's Spike from, uh, from Buffy. Uh, so and an interesting note that I've noticed is that when they were filming this movie, clearly there was like this contractual thing that um, James Masters couldn't get rid of his spike hair from from Buffy. So basically, instead of severely bleaching it like he had, where it was almost white, he had that bright white blondie kind of bleach going. They bleached it another color, uh, and, but it was still the same kind of white. It just wasn't as bright. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. So you pretty much notice him straight away, and he's got this American accent rather than the British accent. Um, and 
yeah, I just thought that was that was interesting how they handled it in 1999, not the debacle that is Superman with the with the the, the no mo gate. Uh, that was jeez, uh, Louise. <laughs> I can't believe that you know in 99 they managed to work it out like and not cause an issue. And this uh, mustache and Superman was just an absolute debacle. So um, yeah. Anyway, you've got uh, Stephen Price. He's played by um, Goth. Uh, God, good on you. The no, not the Australian Prime Minister. Jeffrey Rush, <laughs> that was that was who I was going for. Uh, Jeffrey Rush, we know him from the Australian movie Shine, but we also know him from the Pirates of the Caribbean as well. You got Funky Jensen, she's the Finnish actress. Um, I've spoken about her before in Deep Rising. She was also in The Faculty as well with uh, Katie Holmes, and she plays Evelyn Price, so she's the wife of um, Stephen Price. He's an older gentleman. She's kind of the trophy wife living on the riches but kind of is aggro about his lifestyle as well not really keen on the guy um and then you've got uh chris uh catton who's uh, pritchett and you'd know him from the night at the roxby with will farrell doing the famous headbanging dance like uh it's pretty funny uh, and then you've got match Perchett who plays uh skeeter and you'd know him from charmed but he was also the detective in dexter that's where you kind of uh, recognize him as well um, you've got, um, the guests, uh, actually, sorry, correction, he's not the detective from, he's not the detective from Dexter, he's, he's, he's actually this other dude I was completely thinking of, so yeah, hold up the phone on that one, so Max Perchett is Skeeter, he's not, he's in Charmed, but he plays a Weasley Connor character, and he usually plays other Weasley characters. I don't know why I was thinking of the other dude. He was in Ghost Ship. That's what I was. That's what I was thinking. So scratch that. Apologies about that one. Uh, the guests that go into the um, asylum for the night. So you got Tay Diggs. He's Eddie. Uh, you know him from West Wing, Ali McBeal, and Will and Grace. So he pretty much after this did all the the early two thousand sitcom circuit. Um, Peter Gallagher plays Dr. Blackburn now he's in the OC he plays the dad now I can't remember whose dad he played in the OC but I do remember he was someone's dad in the OC um, and he was also in While You Were Sleeping with uh, Sandra Bullock as well Ali uh, Lexter is uh, Sarah and she, you know her from Final Destination um, the first one Bridget Wilson, Sam Press was Melissa, and she was in Mortal Kombat. Uh, then you've got the villain himself. So you've got the legend Jeffrey Combs playing the uh, Dr. Vandicott. And uh, so basically it kind of gets into this explanation about how Dr. Vandicott and this mental asylum that he had for the criminally insane and something goes down and the, the criminally insane get out and they just run right. So he's like, nah. You're not getting out. Hits the button. Basically, traps everyone in there, and they and they all die. So, the asylum has all these ghosts of you know some pretty uh, peed off uh, individuals. So basically, the the whole theme of this is you got to spend the night in the haunted asylum, uh, and if you last the night, and and uh, you'll get a million dollars. 
So when they mean by when you last the night, they were kind of thinking that you're not going to shit yourself and, you know, <laughs> you're, just, you know you're not going to freak out that badly that you'll scream to be let out and you get let out and they give you mercy and you leave and that's it, you lose your million dollars. That's kind of what the people thought was going on. But, however, the house has got other intentions and the ghost of Dr. Vandekert has got other intentions. So it literally becomes a fight for survival until dawn happens and then the the um the gates and the all the shutters the the that open up actually allow people to get out so um it becomes pretty much apparent that it's a night of survival at that point so that's where it gets really interesting and again it becomes this kind of really spooky um uh kind of intense revenge ghost story um, it was really quite good. The original 1959 with Vincent Price was actually set in a haunted house, uh, and it was just about guests that stayed there and they had to, like, you know, spend the night without getting scared and running away, and they'd get a million dollars. And then again, it, the premise was the same basically. The ghosts have got another thing coming and they start knocking people off. So that's uh, that's the thing. So you definitely enjoy it. Um, first time horror film. Mm. I'd, I'd get some other horror films under you and then then go, yep, and, and watch it. So, um, yeah, unless you're massively jumping into the deep end, then Merry Christmas. This would be the film for you. Um, so, yeah, definite recommend. I liked it. I'd say it's 7 out of 10 for me on this one. Uh, it's good. It's got some, yeah, it's, it's got some flaws. It's probably not for everybody, but I really loved it. I thought it was great. And, yeah. Uh, it did what it had to do. It's like a, a turn your mind off kind of horror film. Watch some, eat some popcorn and, and just get a little bit spooked out. So it's good. It's good fun. 13 Ghosts, directed by Steve Beck. Now, both these movies that I'm talking about, so 13 Ghosts 2001 and Ghost Ship 2002, are both directed by Steve Beck. And he did The Hunt of Red October. Uh, it was written by Neil Master Stevens. Now, he did a movie called Hybrid in 2010 about a hybrid car about hybrids that start killing people so i'm just going to leave that there and move on <laughs> uh the budget for this movie was 42 million it grossed 15 so it kind of died in the ass a little bit over opening weekend which was unusual because it opened on the 28th of october 2001 so i mean you're thinking yeah it's the kind of a halloween movie so i don't know why it kind of conked because you've got uh, Shannon Elizabeth, who pretty much American Pie. Like, we all know the scene from American Pie that she's involved in at the end. Um, and she's quite popular. Got a lot of a guy's attention on that one, and mine included. So the fact that this film was kind of like didn't do well in opening was a bit unusual because um, it also had... Um, uh, Steve Illard from um, Scream. So it was kind of like these two names that people recognised, you know, uh, and people were like, oh, well, they're in this horror film and, and it still didn't do well opening, which I thought was really a bit odd. Uh, but it is what it is, what do you do? But it grossed globally $68 million, so it was kind of a bit of a redeeming thing there. Overseas kind of saved it, probably the China market and, and us and the UK, Europe kind of boosted the numbers again so that kind of uh, saved them 
it goes for an hour and 30 minutes, uh, including credits. And like I said, it pretty much starts straight off and it doesn't kind of, there's no slow burn. It, it picks up straight away and it carries you through the whole entire film. So it's got your attention the whole time. Uh, it, like I said, it got released in the US on the 28th of the uh, of October 2001 and it was released for us in December. So it was a, uh, a summer holiday movie. So Tony Sh Shalab is Anthony um, Critis. I, c I can't remember the um, Cyrus. No, Cyrus is the uncle's name. Yeah, I can't pronounce the last name. But uh, anyway, so Arthur, uh, you would know him from Monk and Galaxy Quest. Uh, that's who uh, he's um, from. Shannon Elizabeth, like I said, that she plays uh, Kathy. So it's Arthur's daughter. And we know her from American Pie and Jay and Silent Bob Strikes Back. So you've got Alec Roberts, who plays Bobby. And he plays the younger brother of uh, Kathy and the son of Arthur. And he did a cameo in ER and he also appeared in Traffic. Uh, F. Murray Abraham plays Cyrus, the, the older uncle, um, the dude that pretty much kicks this whole thing off. He's like the creepy uncle that is into all ghost hunting and stuff and is all around generally a nasty pasty, which we go and find out later. So he's always played villainous roles. Like I've... I've never seen him in a romantic comedy. Like so, he's he's kind of always been a bit typecast in those uh, those nasty roles. So uh, he was in The Good Wife. Uh, he's got a role there. Ray Digger, spelled R A H, and then Digger D I G G A. Um, she plays Maggie Bess. Now she's the nanny for Bobby, and uh, is basically helping the family through a loss. Um, the, his Arthur's wife had died and so they lost their mother he's lost his wife they're all down in the dumps they're kind of financially in a bit of a, a, a stretch as well so Maggie's there to help the family as well uh, with stuff you got Matthew Lillard who plays the ghost hunter that meets up with them later um, and we know him from Scream he also after this movie he went on to do all the Scooby-Doo's so that was that was kind of it for him for major horror films and then you've got A.R. Byrne, who's uh, Benjamin Marlson. He's you know him from Teen Wolf, uh, The 100, and NCIS and CSI. And um, he always kinds, kind of plays the, the kind of villainous roles as well. So basically, Cyrus leaves the house to Arthur after he dies. And um, so the family are thinking, great, we've got this house now that we can all live out of instead of living in this kind of tight apartment that you see that they're in and they're practically living on top of each other so they kind of automatically jump at the chance to go and see uh to go and live in this uh this uh house you know, that, that that the uncle arthur has left them unbeknown to them about Arthur's activities and his kind of sinister motive why he's what he's kind of doing it so even beyond death this guy's an absolute prick like you know for doing it um as you later find out and so they all go there the lawyer said yeah this is the keys he comes along as well to open the house up and uh, uh at that's when um Dennis uh sneaks in that's uh Stephen uh, Matthew Lillard's character sneaks himself in dressed as a this as a tradie 
and uh, says, okay, you know, I'm here to fix this up and blah, blah, blah. So he sneaks in too because he wants to see what this house is about, like what Arthur has done, uh, sorry, what um, Cyrus has done uh, to get these people into the house and inadvertently they get trapped in, in the house. As soon as, it, as soon as the house gets people, it's like goody dinner time. So they get trapped in the house and they get trapped in their house with 12 ghosts that, are, that have been all captured by Cyrus. And you say, hang a minute, Zombie Joe, uh, I've watched a lot of plays called Sesame Street. This movie's called 13 Ghosts. You said 12. That's correct. Because the question is, who's going to be the 13th ghost in this, in, this, in this house to complete what it needs to complete, which is the Dark Zodiac? Now, um, this is a remake of a 1960s movie that came with 3D glasses. So you would go to the movies, you'd see 13 ghosts, you'd put on the 3D glasses and you would see ghosts jump at you through the through the film, which I thought was a brilliant uh, kind of thing to do in, in the time. They didn't do 3D glasses in this movie. Thank God for that, because this film made me jump numerous times when I was watching this. I went to go and see it on my own at the 10 o'clock session at my uh, local cinema uh, I was loving the fact that I was the only person in the cinema so I was banging on my popcorn and drinking my giant coke and always have a always have a chocolate chip sundae as well with it and I'm sitting there snacking on my ice cream and all these ghosts start jumping out and almost started bloody wearing my ice cream and my coke and the freaking popcorn went for a fly at one stage because the jump scares in this are pretty decent and uh, so that's good I'm going to read out to you the 12 ghosts that are involved in this. So you've got the Torn Prince, the Gambino, the Hungry, the Angry Princess, the Bound Woman, the Pilgrimus, the Great Child, the Firstborn Son, the Jackal, the Jorgonaut, the Weathered Lover, the, the Hammer, and the Dire Mother. And, uh, yeah, the practical effects... The costume design for this is just absolutely balls to the wall. Like, it is... Oh, man. It is... The Joggernaut, like, is the one that scares me the most. The seven-foot absolute serial-killing machine. Like, it is... Oh, man. The, I've, I've got a link where it explains the the characters, like, behind the ghosts of these, of these things. I'll put it up in the in the uh, in the notes in the Facebook group so you can have a click and read through all these kind of uh, spooky ghosts that were involved in this movie. But like I said, they make up the Black Zodiac and all the Dark Zodiac, I think it's called. And uh, yeah, so that's what Thirteen Ghosts is about. So pretty much, I'll leave it there because it's like, oh shit, we're in this house. The ghosts are like, here we go, and that's pretty much the whole. The whole chunk of the film is just everyone running in this house that keeps changing like a labyrinth around them. It's all made of glass and it's just balls to the wall. Yeah, that, that's it. That's all I can say. So I really dug this movie. It's a really good, um, scary, high creepy, heebie-jeebie kind of movie and you'll enjoy it. So I hope you do. So yeah, definitely go check it out. I won't say anything else because then I'll start wrecking the ending and I just I don't want to do it. I want you to go out and enjoy it uh, and get spooked. 
So uh, I'm going to move on to Ghost Ship now, the final movie. So again, directed by Stephen uh, Beck, uh, who did Hunt for Red October, written by Mark Hanton. So he did um, uh, Buddy Boy in 1999. I don't, I haven't seen this movie, so I'm not 100% aware of it. Uh, the budget was $20 million, US it clocked $30 million and globally did 68 So it was, it, it did good when it came out. And the cast was very decent as well. So yeah, there was, I wasn't surprised this thing was going to do as well as it did. The release date was the 25th of October, 2002. So it was kind of like the, the Halloween movie for 2002 at that point. So it did quite good. Um, and in Australia it was released again in December uh, 2002 so we got it at Christmas holidays uh, summer break for us and again I went to go and see it at the local cinema at 10am uh, you know giant popcorn in hand giant coke in hand and my ice cream and I was I was I was in heaven mate like that was that was I thought here we go another great horror film on the big screen yippee like, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, loved it, loved it, I was like, made me jump so many times, I loved the plot reveal at the end, when the ghosts kind of reveal what happened, because unlike the other movies, you kind of get a glimpse of what happened, you don't see this until the end, you're like, oh my god, like, is that what went down, so, um, so yeah, and this is why I say, I'll give you a gore warning on this one, because it is very gory like when after this mass kind of thing occurs you see the aftermath and there's still people alive after what had happened and they shouldn't be alive like and it's bad like it's very gory so massive kind of gory trigger warning on that one so if you do not do gore sit this one out if you want to watch some horror movies first and then feel like you're ready have a crack at it, see how you go, but yeah, you've been forewarned, this is the goriest one out of all of the films, but yeah, if you look past the goriness, it's very, very good, so like I said, hit the old Schipperino button on your remote, and you'll be, you should be okay, but yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know, like, I, I think you'll be kind of, uh, you might be bringing up your lunch on this one, uh, Gabriel Byrne is the cast, so Gabriel Byrne um, is, plays Murphy. He's the, he's the leader of the salvage crew. Uh, you know him from Usual Suspects. He also played the devil in End of Dates. Like, he was um, he was really, really good in that. Julianne Margulies is uh, Epps, and you know him from ER. She was pretty much the start of ER and the end of ER. I think she was, like, through the whole, through the whole show. Um, she was amazing, I really liked her like in ER and I really liked her in this movie, I thought it was well casted uh, Ron Ellard you know him from Black Hawk Down um, Eliza Washington, he was in Grey's Anatomy and his name is Gia Alex Dimitriades well that just rolls off the tongue because he's a Greek Australian actor um, everyone 41 plus would recognise him from Heartbreak High so, and he plays uh, Santos, uh, and then you've got Carl Urban, uh, you'd know him from The Boys, uh, with the British accent, going after um, Homelander, uses the C word like a comma, um, and yeah, well, guess what, he's from New Zealand, I, I had no idea that he came from across the pond, I was like, geez Louise, 
I, I, I thought he was either American or he was British, but I'd never thought at all that this guy was from New Zealand. I was, like, really impressed. So, yeah, good on you. Um, you would know him from Lord of the Rings and Doom, but also outside of the boys, you'd know him from Star Trek 1 and 2, uh, and he plays Doc. Uh, Bones is the Doctor. So, the ghosts themselves is Francesca Retadoni. Uh, and Francesca has done a whole bunch of Italian films and TV shows that we all haven't seen and I haven't seen. So, yeah. So, well done, Francesca. But um, you've been in this movie. Uh, she was also... We also have Emily Browning, who plays Katie. We know her from Sugar Punch. Uh, Sucker Punch, sorry. And you know her from Legend. She went on to do some more adult roles. But she was the little girl in in this uh, in this movie, the little girl ghost that kind of warns off and kind of sticks with um, with Epps and kind of warns her and the other crew about what's going on, and then shows her uh, the how everyone died, like initially, um, yeah, uh, through her ghost trauma, and then the client, the oh yeah, so the guy that pretty much gets them to this ship in the first place is uh, Desmond Harrington and his name is Ferryman so it's spelt as F-E-R-R-I-M-A-N which is rather clever because if you know the movie the, the song from the 1980s Don't Pay the Ferryman then you kind of start to put two and two together what this, this thing's about um, so keep an eye on him after you know the fact that this guy is called Ferryman. I had no idea. I looked until I looked up at IMDb and I went, oh, snap. That's what he's doing. Like, And that kind of adds another level of, oh, shit, that's why I like this movie. Like, It was really clever how they did that. He is the guy that is the detective from Dexter, who I got the other guy mixed up with, which I still don't get how. But he was also in Neon Demon as well. So basically, he comes along after there's a there's a, sh a ship salvage kind of thing that they did at the start of the movie. It's kind of how you get to know the characters with the ping pong kind of dialect uh, um, dialogue. Uh, and so anyway, he approaches Murphy at the bar while they're all drinking. They're thinking about having a holiday, and he comes along and goes, "Well, we've just found this uh, rich Italian liner that has disappeared since the '60s." And we've found it. So uh, I want to go check it out. I want to salvage it. And whatever's there, you know, we take 50 and blah, blah, blah. So they negotiate terms. The, the crew are kind of going, well, we're kind of due for a holiday. Like, what do you reckon? So they all go around and they start, yeah, we'll, we'll take it. There's a bit of Event Horizon in that because the story plots of Event Horizon and this are almost the same. You've got the crew... They're kind of getting talked into going and seeing this abandoned craft that has suddenly appeared out of nowhere. As whether Event Horizon, they were kind of forced to go as a job. Like, they had no choice but to do it. So there's similarities between uh, Event Horizon and Ghost Ship and also Deep Rising as well. The mercenaries boarding the ship after the monsters cleaned it out. And uh, so they're going through the ship and they want the jewels and the diamonds and the riches on their ship the salvage crew are thinking the same thing because they're thinking if this is a luxury liner full of rich people there's got to be treasure in this thing and so they're kind of kind of greed but at the same time kind of like 
we want to be the crew that finds the ship that had been missing for this whole entire time. So it would make them famous and their status will go up if they do it. So a bit of greed, bit of status, you know, bang, and that's the kind of cautionary tale, boys and girls. Um, uh, especially when the ferryman comes up to them and says, hey, kids, I've got a, I've got a ship for you. Um, so that was kind of interesting. So eventually they find the ship. There's almost like these consistent kind of stuff-ups that occur like while this is all occurring and then they finally board the ship and once they're on the ship um they start kind of thinking stuff's wrong and again the ship kind of comes alive because of these ghosts involved uh and uh it's a, a battle of survival so uh with one ghost helping the people and the other ghost trying to knock them off so um and yeah that's i'm just going to leave it at that so that's why i enjoyed it so again i'm not going to bang on about it too much but yeah very gory movie so not a first time horror film movie get some under your belt if you do not like gore it absolutely is not your thing then set this one out because it is gory um and yeah it will shake you a bit um cool so anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode and run down through these four fantastic ghost movies uh, that I really, really enjoyed. Uh, like I said, I've got the in-depth kind of tuny uh, episode uh, on Spotify and Stitcher. So uh, go and check those out on, on that panel. Um, like and subscribe to my YouTube channel to get more updates on uh, upcoming episodes. Next episode is going to be the Adelaide Horror, Por Horror Podcast first Halloween special. So that's that's exciting. So uh, I'll be doing something for that. And uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. So cool. So anyway, until then, stay scary and I'll see you in the crypt. <laughs>